Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and this is the place to be for creating a healthy, happy relationship in midlife so you can go on your last first date. And today I'm going to be speaking with author and actor Judy Schindler, and we're going to be discussing a humorous approach to how to survive a long-term marriage. It's pretty rare these days to have a marriage that lasts over 50 years. So Judy has a lot to share, and it's going to be entertaining as well because she's a lot of fun. And I just wanted to say that if you're out there and you're dating and you're frustrated, if you identify the unhealthy patterns from your past and heal them, and you honor and value all parts of yourself, especially the parts that people told you were too much or not enough, you will transform your love life and become the woman of value who attracts in toe-curling epic love. And every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is step number six, which is know when to say yes. Many times we have opportunities that come up and we're afraid to say yes. And the one that I think of the most in my life is the TEDx talk that I that I gave before I ever was comfortable on a stage. And I mean never talked on a stage. But I had passion and I had a message and somebody gave me this amazing opportunity to do a TEDx talk. And as scary as it was, I said yes, and it was one of the best decisions of my life. And if you'd like to watch that TED Talk, you can go to my website, lastfirstdate.com, and click the About section. Uh, It's really my life story and how I used to date like a Tootsie Pop, um, and that's that's a whole other story. So check it out. And uh, if you're not already a member of my private Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date, please join us. The conversation is positive, supportive, and always interesting. So that's Facebook, Your Last First Date. And now for my guest, Judy Schindler. She, in 2012, began entertaining audiences with her witty, candid advice about men and marriage. Her program, Husbands and Owners Manual, How to Survive a 50-Year Marriage, explains how to select a husband and how to maintain him in good working order. Five years later, she wrote a funny and wise book with the same title, Schindler began her career as a PR and marketing consultant, heading a 10-person firm for more than 40 years. And in 2008, she took up a second career as an actor and began performing in local theaters, doing commercials and films, and recording voiceovers for many organizations. Join me now for episode number 296, Husbands, an Owner's Manual, a Humorous Look at How to Stay Married. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you, Sandy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. So let's begin with the beginning about why you wrote this. Why why did you start writing about and talking about marriage? Well, I've probably been talking about it most of my life, but um, (laughs) I started writing about it and performing it when I became an actor. You know, as you had mentioned, I had owned my own business for more than 40 years, and when you own a business, you're the boss. 
when you're an actor, you suddenly become the low man on the totem pole. Everybody else, the cameraman, the person who puts the tape down on the on the the floor to so you know where you stand, everybody's more important than you are. And I, I think it was probably a control issue. I wanted to have something that was my own that I could perform. And uh, when I stopped to think about what did I know anything about, that was one topic, marriage. I did know something about that, not only <clears throat> excuse me, from my own marriage, but um, from what I've been told by my friends when you sit around and talk about men, as we do. Mm. Yes, you definitely have a lot of experience. And I know I used to talk to my friends all the time about their marriages when I was married. Um, so um, there's a lot of humor to be found in marriage and and wisdom. Uh, so let's talk about the best advice that you can give somebody who wants to stay married for life. Well, I always say that uh, the secret to my marriage is that in 53 years, my husband and I have never had a single meaningful Um, and but of course I'm joking when I say that. Um, I, I I missed part of it. I think you better have gotten okay. the call. But in, in 53 years, I'm, you never had a I single meaningful. I'm not to turn that off. Um, okay. I always say that the secret to my marriage is that in 53 years, my husband and I have never had a single meaningful conversation. Okay. Um, I feel if you want to have a conversation, you call a girlfriend. You certainly don't try to talk to a man. They don't know how to do it in the first place. Um, I always I talk about the time that um, I tried to break this rule. It was our 35th anniversary, and my husband and I were out for dinner at a very fancy restaurant. And I decided I would ask him a question where we could have a meaningful conversation. And so I turned to him and said, asked him what he liked best about me. Of course, I was hoping to hear that he thought I was pretty or funny or smart or that I made his life into an adventure. But my, what my husband said to me was, the best thing about me was that I was his. And so I burst into tears because that was not what I was hoping to hear. But the real truth, because and, that, and I, so I really believe that you should, really shouldn't try to have a conversation with a man because it just does, never turns out the way you want it to. Um, I really think that one of the secrets of a long-term marriage is nurturing and protecting a man's ego. Men have very, very fragile egos, and um, you do have to protect them. You have to brag about them in front of them to your friends. Um, You need to say things like, oh, you couldn't possibly have gone to school with them. You look so much younger. Or, do you look great today? That's a great color on you. Men need those kind of ego boosts. Hmm. So you know we're going to get a lot of pushback on this. Women today, I mean, I certainly want to be remarried or in a long-term relationship with somebody I can have a conversation with. And men today are a lot more emotionally uh, in tune, I think, as they as they age. You know, you haven't dated in a long time. But, That's true. Um, it's true. I haven't dated in a long time, the, but I do know a lot of men. <laughs> yes. Okay. And the men you know don't like to speak about anything deep well, not in, or have any they're not kind in of... touch with a lot of things. Once in a while you find a man that knows a lot about a subject you may be interested. This may be a man, unlike your husband, who likes theater and will talk about theater or likes art and talk about art. But when you get down to real emotional things, 
Um, I don't think you'll find many men are really in touch with their emotions or want to even have a conversation about it. But I could be wrong, Sandy. There could be one out there. There, there's more than one, but yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I I think a lot of women expect men to be like their girlfriends, and even in conversation, I I have this issue with a lot of clients who like to speak in very long stories. You know, they tell you something, and and it's so long that the man's eyes are rolling back in the in their head because they can't track them. They are just all over the place. They're connecting 8,000 things that happened to them that day, and the men is like, just get to the point. So that's one of the things I actually train women to do is to try and get to the point when they're talking to men because men need to win, and they can't win if they're not tracking how to answer the question. And so is that something that you've found in your own marriage about like how to bottom line a story, things like that? Well, as I said, I don't really try to do this, but but I do think that men try to solve your problem. You know, you may just uh-huh. want to vent, and they want to find a solution for you. And uh-huh. and often you don't want a solution. You just want to vent. Um, right. I, th- I think that can be a communication issue between men and women as well. Yeah, so I, I tell women in that case to tell a man up front if they just want to vent and they're not looking for a solution to just, please be a sounding board, and that is helpful um, so that they won't get fixed and be pissed mm-hmm. off. <laughs> well, let's, you know, we're talking about, it sounds like men are these little fragile beings and they're, they're kind of Neanderthal and they don't really talk much. What what do you get out of your marriage if, if you know, you're dealing with this fragile Neanderthal? Like, what are what are some of the good things? Um, but I remember, I've been married for 53 years. And when you have been married that long, you have really built a a solid foundation between the two of you. You've built a family. You care as much about his relatives as he as you care about as he cares about yours. Um, When there is uh, some occasion, a, a wedding or a death in either family, you have an emotional support that that goes beyond what you would get from a friend. Um, you, if you've had children, you've built a family together. Uh, in our case, we were babies when we got married. We can look back at our entire adult life and and see the same person at your side. You know, mm-hmm. growing a little older over the years, a little grayer, as our I always say, blonder in my case. Um, <laughs> there's something very satisfying about having done that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I, it's a, go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's the the thing that you get. It's it's not this this person you are married to for a long time is not just your lover or your companion, but really um, the other half of yourself and in your life and your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to get a little bit of uh, positivity here. <laughs> I know a lot of okay. people are like oh. I don't really want that. Hand, why, they're very why should funny I? Because they're really not like us at all. Yeah. Well, that's that's the first thing that's important to remember is that men are not hairy women. They are no. very different. And the more we can understand about each other, the the better it is. I think that just one of the biggest issues in relationships is misunderstandings and assumptions and expectations. I I would say those three things. 
Um, and you talk a lot about people to stay away from. So when women are looking for a husband um, or a long-term partner for many of the Many of the people who are listening are not looking to get married or remarried, but they are looking for a long-term relationship. And you say stay away from professional athletes. Can yes, you tell that's us the why? only category that I would categorically say that women should not get themselves involved with is professional athletes. And why is that? Well, because unlike, um, say, movie stars or rock stars, professional athletes, start being adored when they're very young. From the time they're old enough to dribble a ball, swing a club or a bat, they get treated like little gods because they have to show that athletic ability. When They start showing it when they're like six or seven, and people are amazed and always want to show them off. So they're getting a lot of adoration at a very young age. As they get a little um, older, um, it becomes worse. Girls start hanging around and want to be around them all the time. They go off to college. They get better food to eat than the other the other students. They get excused from tests. Um, and in some cases, they get a getaway with murder. I always point to O.J. Simpson in that case. But others, other people who are celebrated in life, like uh, rock stars or um, actors, they really have to struggle for years to get that kind of adoration. But athletes are born with it, and that's an ego that no woman could ever fulfill. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Oh, it totally <laughs> makes <dead> sense. Silence. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm listening. I, I think um, you make a good point. I mean, I would say there may be an exception somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. um, of course right? there are exceptions. <laughs> We're only speak, I only speak in gross generalities, but... Yeah, uh, yes. but it but it's interesting. I I just watched Itania and um her life certainly was not about adoration. <laughs> it was it was about torture from her mother. Right. But you know, it's it is a very different lifestyle and you're working like a crazy person to achieve something that's just supernatural and you do get treated with with preferential treatment. And from the very um, young age because you don't just become right. an athlete when you're 20. You become an athlete uh, when you're very young. You show that prowess very young. Yes, most most people do. Um, and and you you bring up another point about CEOs, people who are really busy, busy, high power people. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the danger of of being in a, a marriage with someone like that. And it, I'm not saying that. No one could possibly be married to that CEO, that captain of industry type. Um, all I say is that you need to understand that um, a workaholic, and they have to be a workaholic by definition, is a workaholic for the rest of their lives. And it doesn't matter how much success they have. So that, you know, you will always be second to the company, the job, or whatever it is they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the CEO of Sony. Um, said uh, to his employees one time uh, that you are my family, you come first. And that's great for the company, but it's not so great for his wife and kids. Yeah. It depends on whether you can have that kind of independent life where you are serving the needs of somebody else and not expecting a lot in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and people complain about this all the time. I, I, I've had many clients come to me who what they think they want is a CEO, is somebody in a C-suite. And 
they think that comes with security, financial freedom, uh, a lot of things that they think they need to make a marriage successful. And what they don't realize is that most of these men that they're dating are not emotionally available. They are completely married to their work, and you come second or third. Okay. And so I agree with you. I think, you you know, again, we're talking generalizations, but, but there are many people who are so involved in work and they don't even realize that they're not available. I'm sure that's true. I wasn't married to that type, but I have seen that type. Mm-hmm. I've seen it too. Um, so let's talk about cracking the code. You're cracking the man code here. Um, right, because we're not only different. We speak different languages, Sandy. So you yes. have to be understand understand a few basic phrases so that you know what they're really saying. So let's let's talk about some of those examples. So when a man says, "I'll do it later," he means I don't want to talk about it. And if he says, "I'll think about it," he means I don't want to talk about it or think about it. Or sometimes a man will say, I need to find myself, which of course means I have a girlfriend. And if he says, we're growing in different directions, he means I have a girlfriend who's 10 years younger than you. And if he says, I'm just not happy, he means I have a girlfriend who's 10 years younger than you and pregnant. So you can see why he's not happy. <laughs> That's funny. Um, there are people who've done cracking the code for for dating, like what somebody says on a date, and it's it's actually a really important thing to know how to do that because a lot of women fall for fall for men's fancy words when they really are not saying anything meaningful at all. <laughs> They'll read between the lines, and I, I once had a friend who the guy was so blatantly telling her he was not available for a relationship at all. He was a narcissist. He was disgusting. And he said it there. He goes, I, I'm just, I can't, you know. And she, she said to me, what do you think he means by that? <laughs> like, <laughs> he could not be yeah. more blunt. <laughs> Perhaps he means he couldn't. <laughs> that was it. Yes. <laughs> she didn't want to hear it. So she totally fell for him and didn't hear a single red flag because she wanted to only see the good. So it's, it's uh, yeah. The men, what about... Men who say, uh, I mean, I, I think you you had some funny thing in there about um, you wanted your husband to compliment you, and he's like, what was his best compliment to you? Something What's like wrong with that? If, what's I wrong with that? If I show him an outfit, what do you think? He says, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that means. Does he find your humor funny? <laughs> no, probably not. First of all, he's never read the book. He never saw oh. me do the show, and when really? I rehearse the show, he walks out of the room. <clears throat> oh, Everybody boy. tells him it's an homage, but he refuses to believe that. <laughs> On the other hand, he's very uh, I, supportive. I mean, yeah. that's the real key to our, to our relationship. This is he's extremely supportive. He just doesn't want to be around or read it or hear it or even hear talk mm. people talk about it. That's he insists funny. they're all looking at him and saying, "Ah, so you're Jack Schindler." <laughs> <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. What are what are some of the things that you do in your show that are like different from the book or some of your favorite parts of the well, show? Well, one of the things when in in doing the book that I worried about was that um I I do it as a multimedia show, so a lot of my jokes are um 
images that I that I have up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when I talk about good char- time Charlies, and I say, you know, uh, one of the co- uh, consumer beware, and I pick up a, put up a picture of Charlie Sheen. So I was worried mm-hmm. about that. Um, as translating, but I, I worked out ways to talk about that. But one of the things I also do, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, I get interrupted several times in the show with the phone ringing, and I answer it with a technical support question. But graphically, I hired a wonderful designer who did the book, and he came up with a way to treat those uh, technical support questions that interrupt the show as I go along. So mm-hmm. that was that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very nicely designed. The book is beautiful. It's it's fun. The cartoons are fun, um, and I love the little the little um, box uh, words of caution and um, right. all those kinds of things. No, it was it was really designed beautifully. Thank you. It was one of the yeah. issues, as I said, in, in taking something. It was a performance. I knew I was funny when I did this show, but how could I translate that on paper? And I decided that, first of all, <clears throat> I needed some help in the writing, and I, I enlisted a friend of mine who's um, who's very funny and also a wonderful writer, and she worked with me on the on the content of the of the book. And then I hired a great designer um, to make it look fun, because mm-hmm. you needed to know right away that that well, a lot of the things I said were absolutely true, of course, I believe, but uh, I wanted to know that it was people to know that it was fun at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely came across. So let's talk about the benefits of a long-term marriage since most marriages are ending before they become long-term. Well, as I said, I, I think that um, if you can look back on the life that you created, and then first of all, of course, the benefit is you never have to date. <laughs> your, your last first date, you never have to end another date in your whole life. That's pretty good. Right. Um, but but really, on a more serious side, the fact that you've built a life together with this person um, is very special. Um, we just uh, one of my sisters recently died, and my husband was there for me in an instant. Um, she lived in Arizona, and I wanted to be there for my other sister who was in Arizona, and I think that at last minute. Um, airline tickets cost $1,500. He didn't hesitate that that was something we should do um, to go there and be with the other sister. Um, mm. Just so many things over our life where uh, my husband really stepped up and and was right there in moments of crisis. Um, there's something just really wonderful when you can look back on your life like that and know that you had someone um, who was right there with you all the way. Uh, that's not yeah. something girlfriends can always do. Girlfriends have, you know, other lives. And and I'm not saying that I think marriage is for everybody, because I think there are a lot of benefits to, um, you know, knowing that the toilet seat's always down um, and that uh, nobody's going to take the remote control and make you watch um, some stupid judge show or something. Um there's there's just there's a lot of benefit to being single but uh, at the same time a long-term marriage is something very special and i consider myself extremely lucky 
that at the age of 22, I was able to find someone by sheer luck. I mean, surely I did not know the values I was looking for at 22 uh, for someone I could spend the rest of my life with. But I actually did find somebody, and um, that's lucky and um, something to be very grateful for. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about your family of origin, your parents Mm -hmm. um, and his parents. Did they both have long-term marriages that were happy? Um, My husband's uh, father died when he was like 62, but they must have been married at least 35 years before he died. And in my case, um, my father died uh, when my mother was 32, she'd been married for 11 years when my father died. Um, wow. And then she remarried and um, was married again for another uh, probably 35 years. So um, neither one of us come from divorce, but I can't say either one of us came from a 50-year marriage. Mm-hmm. But happy marriages. But happy marriages, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a difference where your your idea of a family blueprint, which I, I do with my clients as I go over their family blueprint and, and how respect was seen in the house, how um how people treated each other emotionally, you know, just in all ways. When when family comes first, when you can see the family values are strong it makes a big difference in how somebody chooses a partner later in life. So, you know, I think that has something to do with it. But the other part, it's not just luck. Um, you, you've you learned to have realistic expectations and to I don't not... Think I, I don't think I started off that way. No? Um, no. Um, huh. I can tell you an exact example of something that happened early in our marriage. Uh, my husband likes television, and I was sitting home one night watching him watch television. I have no idea what it was he was watching. I had no interest in it, but I was sitting there watching him. And I said, is this how I'm going to spend the rest of my life, watching my husband watch television? And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't tell me I couldn't go to the movies with a girlfriend or go take a, a painting class or go jog around the, the block. I am there's nothing to make me sit here and watch him watch television and I if I did that I would be just blaming him for not doing what I wanted to do. And that was a key moment in our marriage. Yeah, that's that was a, pivotal. It was an aha. Mhm. Well, you took charge of your own life instead of blaming him and that's that's right. a big part of why relationships fail. And I, I think many people grow up with that model of you know, it's all your fault, and, you know, if you only did this, and, yeah, you talk about how people don't change. You know, don't get married hoping a husband will change. They don't. No. <laughs> and, no. Um, and that's that's a big issue. I mean, I certainly did that. I thought, well, you know, with, with time, he'll be more like the man I hope he'll be. <laughs> that's not how it works. That doesn't happen. You just have to decide what you can live with and what you can't. Exactly. And be realistic about what people's what people are like, you know, and mm-hmm. and if you can't live with it, don't don't go don't go there. So, exactly. uh, what give us some some parting words that you'd like to share? What do you want people to take away from this conversation today? Well, um, I'd like them to take away uh, a few uh, basic truths 
that um you know your marriage is um is as much you as as the man you're married to and if you can't adjust to his quirks you can't expect him to adjust to your quirks and uh i really don't believe in um unremitting togetherness and that comes up a lot when you get to the retirement age i met a woman recently was married for 35 years until retirement and then that was it she couldn't you know she couldn't handle any more of that um but uh i do think you have to be responsible for your own life and um enrich your life as you see fit and when you do get together you'll have some interesting things to talk about mm, i like that beautiful um so tell tell everybody where they can find you, your book, your blog, your vlog, whatever well, whatever you got going on. Please come to my website. It's Judy Schindler, and that's spelled J-U-D-I-S-C-H-I-N-D-L-E-R.com. You can sign up for my blog. Every week I try to be a little funny about some aspect of men in marriage. Um, and you can order the book there, or you can find the book on Amazon. Again, the book is Husbands and Owner's Manual, and I am Judy Schindler. Awesome, and I will put all this in the show notes over at my blog, lastfirstdate.com, so you can all join her blog and get the book. So thank you so much, Judy, for coming on, and and many more happy years together with your husband. Thank you, Sandy. And you you tell them what to do, okay? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for joining me today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. 